The extraordinary breach of protocol after top Pentagon officials, members of Congress, and even the White House were all unaware of Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin's hospitalization this week. Even Secretary Austin's deputy, his number two, Kathleen Hicks, was not informed in advance of his medical procedure and was on vacation in Puerto Rico, literally in the water, when she was taken back to a secure location. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. Just a catching yeah. strays over here. <laughs> You're in for a hell of a show. Keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. It's time for our main event. Welcome back to the Ruthless Friday program. A big week in front of us. We are exactly six days, as you're listening to this, from the Iowa caucuses. It's been a long time coming. Everybody's had their eye on this for about four years, and we're in the home stretch, fellas. Yeah, um, right around the corner, honestly. Like, it feels like it's been a lifetime of these primaries going on, and we haven't had, like, a single vote cast <laughs> yet. So, you know, finally at least we're going to have something like that happen, you know. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's like we watched the longest horse race, and now they're finally... <laughs> In the final stretch. They're heading to the last bend yeah. <laughs> after three years. I mean, with, like, not as much drama as anticipated, no. uh, at least but in this first one. Here at the Ruthless Variety Program, we have several treats in store for our audience. We do. We've got a big week ourselves. We'll get to all that in a second. I want to address that clip that we had up front, of course, that was talking about the Secretary of Defense. Uh, there was apparently in the ICU... Mm. Without the knowledge of the National Security Advisor, uh, the Deputy Secretary of Defense, or the President of the United States. That's really something, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but, Typically, it's good. not a big surprise if our current president doesn't know what's going on. But this is a bit over the top. Well, it's a good thing there's uh, nothing going on in the world. Oh. You know? But we were told at the outset of the Biden administration that the adults were back in charge. Oh, yeah. That yeah. they were going to bring everything back on track, and this is the way Washington should be run. And this, <laughs> and here's the thing, guys. There were a lot of people on Twitter over the weekend saying that somebody should be fired for this, that heads should roll, and I think that needs to start at the top. Exactly. Joe Biden should be fired. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's the thing. I is, would agree. I would agree. I mean, there was a situation like they described in that report we just opened with where they were like, they had to pull the deputy secretary of defense out of the water, and they're like, you are now acting defense secretary for the United States. Like, what the hell get, is going on? Who's it? I'd be like, who's in charge here, man? Like, I want to get into I'm on some detail. I want to get into some detail on this, uh, and we're going to do that in a second. I just want to start. Look, we got a full program here for you today. We're going to do uh, this. We've got we got a lot of different things. We have some variety packed in here. Mm. Uh, we're going to do a little horse race update because you know you're six days out. You got to examine what everybody's up to. Yeah. We have a couple of big announcements about the program along the way, including, why don't I just do it up top? Uh, Smug, you're going to Iowa. That's right, folks. This is going to be uh, you know, a huge thing for the Variety program and for the people of Iowa and for the people of America. We're going to be live streaming the thing. We are. We are. And you are going to go out. I'm going to be live in person in Iowa reporting from from the caucuses talking to all the movers and shakers seeing what's happening and bringing everyone along for the right live it's yeah. happening live folks so we're going to do a live program uh the three of us are going to be here in DC walking you through the numbers telling you what they all mean we're going to have smug on the ground in Iowa talking to caucus goers talking to campaigns uh braving the elements yeah i mean the, i was looking at the weather today 
the high is going to be freezing. <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to be terrific. And by freezing, he doesn't mean 32. Yeah, it's, it, it's going to be absolutely <laughs> substantially <laughs> colder than that. Like the sad thing is it's not going to be snowing. Unfortunately, it won't be snowing. Uh, I was actually looking forward to that because I know journos always cry about like, oh God, I'm out there snowing. It's a good time to be had. Can we can we help pick out your outfit? Like, are we? Can we do like a? No, I mean I'm going to be dressed to, as as oh, I got my standard setup. Everyone's going to have to tune in and see what the winter gear looks like. I can only. I'm ready to brave the elements. I'm very excited. I, I, I'm built for this. If you knew how excited we were. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's going to be. We've we've already worked on you know getting in touch with folks who we're going to be you know talking to and streaming back to the studio live it's going to be a hell of a lineup like i'm going to call it right now we're beating any major network yeah like, we punch far above our weight class you're not going to see this level of coverage on any of the cable networks abc cbs no one's going to have anything on us well we're going to also give you some good interviews and things like that that you'll be able to tune in for make sure to uh, set your alarms, do whatever you need to do to make sure to listen to that live because that that is going to be a great program. It's going to be amazing. Going to be really, really good. All right, so let's get into the the meat of all of this, which is the Secretary of Defense situation. Here's what stood out to me, fellas. So it's ridiculous that you have at a time of war uh, where we are engaged not only with the Middle East, Israel, Hamas, all of that, and American troops stationed you know, in the Navy at least, uh, in close proximity. But you also have what's going on in Ukraine. And somehow the Secretary of Defense, the guy, I mean, literally the guy who runs the joint, has gone off the grid for a period of four days and nobody knows it, uh, to the point where, the, like, then they're notifying the deputy who was apparently hanging out in the waters of Puerto Rico at the time. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but the thing that struck me was, like, they don't have like regular briefings with the president. I mean, that's the thing. Like, like he hasn't been in touch with the president for a while. And Joe Biden's like, "Well, this is normal, man." Like, like, how does that? You just like dust off a Monday briefing book, and then you're like, "All right, I'll see. You. Hopefully, I'm back on Monday." Because we have been getting all, the, all these reports of like, you know, these like drone swarms which have been going after like, you know, soldiers, U.S. assets in yeah. the Middle East. Who was on the other end of the phone call deciding what to do with that situation? I mean, it, just, it, it wasn't even the deputy because they were chilling at the. They beach. were in Puerto Rico. <laughs> like the national security who's advisor in charge here did not know. Did not know. Imagine how wild it would be to be like sipping a daiquiri, daiquiri and then finding out you're in charge of the American military. <laughs> 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 but like, don't you just? I mean, what it falls into that? What do you say you do here category? Yeah. Like, if you're the president of the United States, I don't know. I'm sure. Like he was probably spent all week thinking about what he was going to do for his two big speeches mm -hmm. you know he had two big speeches where he did the jan 6 thing in valley forge where yeah. of course there's like a, de a declaration of independence type theme to it and then he he proceeds to go to charleston uh today uh, yesterday so i guess he's focused on that but like you have got close to hot waters going on and nobody has touched base with the secretary of defense no. <laughs> That's the thing is, like Ashbrook said, we were told that the adults are now in charge. And it's become extremely clear that these people are not focused on actually running anything in this country. You look at the economy. You look at the border. You look at the way that uh, the United States is seen around the world. Get where, ready. Where you've got dictators who are, who, who are taking, you know, whatever they want because they know our president's a pushover. 
And it might be because the guy's like literally asleep at the wheel. Get ready for how organized this government is going to be, everybody. Yeah. America's back on track. I mean, it's unbelievable. We're back. We're here. So here's a clip from CNN. If we can go, uh, uh, Spaghetti, if we could go to uh, clip one here. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin has resumed full duties after a recent hospital stay that was kept under wraps for several days from the public, the press, and even the president. And he is still reportedly in the hospital as of Saturday evening. For his part, Secretary Austin admits he could have been more transparent about the hospitalization, which began on New Year's Day, following complications from an elective surgery. So, he, all right. He, here's, here's what strikes me is it's not like you're not permitted to get sick as an important official in American government, right? right? You're allowed to get sick. Right. You're allowed to be in the hospital. You you can't help it. You got to go to the hospital. You got to go to the hospital. You got to tell somebody. Well, it's like the <laughs> and there has of, to be the some curiosity. Like imagine just any of you listening to this where you just decide to go have elective surgery and not tell your boss. You know, I don't care if you're an accountant. Uh, you know, or you're 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 like weed eating. I yeah. mean, like at some point you're going to be like, hey, uh, I'm going to be out the next And also it, it, it's, right. it strikes me as like the Biden administration is trying to like throw this uh, stink off themselves and be like, wow, can you guys believe what the defense secretary did? It, it It's like, dude, that's your employee. Hoping that's what nobody, your employee did. Hoping nobody says like, well, why aren't you talking to the secretary of defense? Yeah. yeah. Right, we have we have multiple American warships very close to war right now very close to what is happening in the Middle East. And we don't have like an, a daily conversation with the people in charge reporting in on what they're seeing and and what they expect out of the next day. And th I, that's terrifying. And they're like, the acceptable response is, well, so this guy on the beach in Puerto Rico has got it <laughs> under control. <laughs> like, one guy's in the hospital, one guy's at the beach. Like, what the hell is going on here? This we is unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, if I'm the guy at the beach, so I'd be yeah, pissed a, off. It's a gal at the beach. Uh, oh, it's it a late? Okay. It was a gal at the beach. So if I'm her, I am extremely pissed off because yeah. you've landed the best gig. In theory, right? Where it's like, okay, you've got all the prestige. Like, I, you know, I'm one of the top folks calling the shots at the military with none of the responsibility. I can go to Puerto Rico, have a great time. And so like like Duncan says, I'd be, I'd be having like a, a margarita. And then you get a call pulled out of the water. Like, this isn't what I signed up for, man. Like, I accept only being, like, you know, a ribbon-cutting ceremonies. And, like, being defense secretary is not that bad. Like, the old Air Force Ones go to the defense secretary. He flies around, you know, in the old Air Force One. Not <laughs> a bad gig. Not a bad gig. Also, they said it's an elective surgery. That's something you have to schedule, you know, at some point. That's like a good point. Like, a week out, two weeks out, a month out. You, you schedule that sort of thing. Right. Well, apparently something went wrong. Wait, right? is that what happened? Well, apparently, he's the ICU. You don't have to go to the ICU for elective Things went surgery. great. But my, 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 my point is, my point is, if you if you have if you are planning an elective surgery at the end of the year, ostensibly because that's when you're hoping things will be a little quieter, maybe you plan it in November, maybe you plan it in early December. Don't you give somebody a heads up that hey, I'm going to have this thing at the end. This well, is I mean, same time the deputy books a vacation to Puerto Rico. <laughs> right. Maybe he was embarrassed about it. Maybe he was getting one of those Brazilian butt lifts or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know? A, oh had, to, had to do it on the hush-hush. <laughs> he didn't want to answer the question, so what are you getting yeah, done? Yeah, getting a BBL. Well, he, I, <laughs> is that a thing? Yeah, dude. What is? Well, that's what everybody thinks Kim Kardashian got. What, what is that? It's, it's the, like implants for your butt. For your butt. 
they put like silicon in your ass. Yeah. People do that. No, seriously. Come on. Unserious people do these. It would be great right. if the Secretary of Defense had. Well, that. I think at this point, <laughs> that, we, at the very at the very least, we deserve to know what the hell was happening. Like yeah. when they say like this is an elective surgery. Okay, you're like begging more questions to be asked. Like, what the hell is going on here? Well, can we talk about that for a second? So, all right. So there is an entire team. Every publication in America of of note has got a a, a Pentagon team, and they do daily briefings. Now, I had since come to learn that that Austin himself had not done a briefing in person since like July, which is very telling. Like that's ridiculous. Absurd that the secretary of defense has not done his own beast, uh, any kind of address with the press. He didn't like the way his butt looked. Well, so he's got a Brazilian situation, which, you know, look, we all have our things, but as nobody in that crew, like, as just a pro forma question, like, well, what's the secretary up to today? Yeah. No, I mean, not at all. Nobody's like, oh, okay, so what's the secretary? Does he have a public schedule today? And then they're like, no. That's a great point. I think, like, I mean, that's like the question that you ask. You don't even do it in the briefing. You send the email in the morning to the press secretary where you're like, what's the public schedule for the secretary today? I mean, again, I think this is like, just nothing. like, well, see, that's the, that, that's the thing is like, there would have to be somebody whose job that is. So I just have a hard time believing nobody knew. You know what I mean? That's the thing. That I, there's something like crazy about that. I mean, they yeah. said at one point that they were informed that he was working from home, which mm. in and of itself. I mean, look, this is not a telecommuter position. Right. <laughs> you kind of you got to be in like the crazy rooms. You kind of got to be and shit in going the rooms. On. Zooming yeah. into the Mediterranean. Yeah. You got to be like live watching the drone strikes and shit. You know, you can't really just like Skype in for this. Like, I can't imagine that there is a president that's down with that. And yet. <laughs> and yet there is. There is. It's, and a, I, it's, I don't, a guy, it's a guy who was elected from his basement. Yeah. He's like, I, I'm not going to cast He's like, I get it. Because I, I never go to work. I get it. Maybe he was tra- training some German shepherds or something. Lord knows that's bedeviled this administration. <laughs> I mean, I just don't. It, it's, it's bizarre. So anyway, uh, the press picks this up, and the first one out of the gates, uh, Politico reported it out, and then immediately thereafter, Axios came up with just a perfect, mm. perfect take on this. Uh, it's a Republican's pounce, fellas. Of course. Mm-hmm. It's a Republican. Republicans in Congress reacted with swift fury over reports that the Pentagon waited several days to inform top officials about the hospitalization of Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. Minimizing the foul. The vowel is not the story. It's the process. Yeah, underneath. the reaction. Yeah, the reaction. Yeah. Very important that the Republicans need to be pouncing upon this, maybe perhaps unfairly. Swift fury. Swift fury. <laughs> That's the story. Some GOP lawmakers are already calling for Austin to testify or even be ousted over what is described as a serious breakdown in communications. Um, well, don't you think they just, like, people just deserve a reasonable explanation? That's, like, that's all that is being asked. The very little, like, absolute minimum that could be asked is basically what's being asked of, of, of this administration. And the defense secretary is like, so what the hell happened here? <laughs> you know, it's not like... <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not asking for, like, a all-points bulletin that he's in the hospital. I understand there's national security implications for some of this stuff. The guy's the defense secretary. I get it. Yeah. But to not inform the White House, the NSC, the deputy of the Pentagon, 
is like that is a fireable offense. Well, because there's no one actually in charge at oh. that point. And it's like not an insignificant time period for that kind yeah. of thing. Right? Something he's got it. So McDaniel raised a good point on this when he was putting all this together. And he said it reminded him of when uh, Buttigieg went on that like four month. Oh, yeah. Paternity leave deal mm-hmm. where no nobody had heard from him and they're like oh yeah it's finally like trains and planes are crashing and shit hit the fan yeah they're finally like oh yeah he's been on paternity leave like way after the fact <laughs> and like we can't I think we had a show where we basically said the same thing is there surely that somebody has the transportation beat there there should honestly be like a just a daily check in with the cabinet I think that might be a good idea for this administration like, but maybe I think somebody I, should have a text have a, have a reporter a text. that's like hey um is the secretary alive today <laughs> Are they breathing clean air? I think I think you, you guys you guys are missing the purpose of the media when it comes to a Democrat administration. The media is there to help. They're yeah. not there to question. They're not there to hold people accountable. They're there to help. Think about think about. They're there to help so much, so much that the Department of Defense is putting out statements about how he is taking full responsibility for his decisions, and they think transparency is very important. And how does the media respond? The media is like, well, Republicans are after them. (laughs) And and they're like, wait a minute, what? We've just been apologizing for this, and the media is like, no, no, it's Republicans who are at fault. And that's a great point. So when they put out this statement saying that the defense secretary is taking responsibility for this, what the hell does that entail? Like, okay, so, so what actions are being taken? And so if they're going to describe, oh, he's taking responsibilities for his actions, this is what's going to change. They can't even put that out because they haven't even told us what the hell happened here. Right. So how is he going to take responsibility when we don't even know exactly what caused this problem? Great right? point. So like Great these point. people have already been like, okay, journos, it's up to you. you Got to run cover for us. Let's go with the Republicans pounce. And they're like, yes, sir, let's do this. <laughs> you know? Meanwhile, the progressive left and Claudine and Gay are like, I get it. Hmm. I know what you're up to. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. know what oh, you're oh, up to. Oh, that's right. That's I'm surprised that hasn't shown up. I it'll come. It'll I, come. We're not we're still in the first seventy two hours of this story. It'll get there eventually. There is there is something that came out um over the weekend. I don't know if you guys saw this. I don't know if it's in our in if we're gonna be talking about this later today, but this Semaphore report about the Biden administration and how they're trading with reporters and grading them on their Oh trade. yeah, we know we got that. We're yeah. gonna talk about all that because it's a very important story and it does it does actually segue into yep. what we're talking about now but but just for the timeline so everybody's aware so we're gonna go through so the chairman of the joint chief of staff was notified on january 2nd uh and doesn't notify anyone else of lloyd austin's deal uh the president was not notified until the 4th of january hmm. two full dates later National Security Advisor, similarly on the fourth, I imagine that was probably the same phone call. I mean, no, no, nobody wants to send the guy a card. <laughs> How about a like check, a check him with yeah, check him with his family and say, "Hey, we're thinking about you. What can we do?" Yeah, right. Just say nothing to the National Security implications. Like, how about checking in on your cabinet secretary? Yeah, right. Send right. us a photo of the Brazilian butt lift. <laughs> <laughs> the NSC also January fourth. So the deputy sec def was on vacation in Puerto Rico, as we mentioned, uh, and was handed some responsibilities for the Secretary of Defense on January second. Um, he's been in the ICU since New Year's hmm. at this point. So there's a calendar day involved where no one had responsibility for the Department of Defense. <laughs> wow. Wait, a calendar week? Is that what you're saying? No, a day. A uh, full yeah. 24 One full day. hours 
where no one had responsibility for the Department of Defense. But um, but almost a week of people not knowing, like oh, major wait, yeah, officials. Yeah, th- yeah, this three- is this is a really interesting little little wrinkle in here. So so it says here that the Deputy Secretary of Defense, while on vacation, Puerto Rico was handed quote some responsibilities of the Secretary of Defense on January second, but they were not notified until January fourth. So they actually got the responsibilities, <laughs> yeah, twenty four hours, but didn't know they had those responsibilities for another two days. Like, like they're seventy two hours. They're on the beach, and like some marine, you know, hops over and he's like, "Okay, you're you're gotta run the military, <laughs> just like run with it, dude. We don't need to tell you why, but you're just in charge of things for a little bit." <laughs> they're out there, out doing the, you know, yeah. they got like the the boat tricks you're, going you're on. In the limbo line, yeah. like marine hops over and says, "You're running the show." If you like being a colada, <laughs> it's like just. <laughs> and the thing is, is that like at this point, the deputy secretary of defense is like, "I have no question of why I'm being assigned running everything. Hmm. That's fine." Like they're not like, "Okay, so what the hell's going on here?" They, I, I I told you all I was on vacation. But think think about how think, <laughs> think about how passive how passive these people are. That they that remember when remember when Reagan w- there was an assassination attempt on Reagan mm-hmm. and like fifteen minutes later Al Haig was in front of the press saying I'm, I'm in charge here yeah. you know that was he, the other he was side of the coin. he was about to take over that the was, country that was perhaps too aggressive <laughs> a little too aggressive yeah and now we have a situation where everybody's like oh no fine I'm on vacation well, no, I'm not gonna tell anybody dude, oh no even, there's a military they don't even know it they, nobody knows they don't even know it this is no. the, that's I, the best part this is the like counterweight to Al Haig this I think is I, the, I, I think COVID this is a low point COVID ruined everything it's like this is like the Zoom presidency oh. everybody just like <laughs> dude the, I think you're right the Zoomer, logs, boom, they Zoomer log, Boomer they log onto their computer they fire up the the camera and they're like I'm on the Zoom and then and they got like gym shorts and a tie yeah yeah, no, that's about right. <sighs> that feels right. But, like, they don't not notify Congress until the 5th. That's four days. God, dude. Like, right? The Navy is not notified. The Army's not notified. And the Air Force is not notified until the 5th. I don't see anything here about Space Force either. The, hold on. This is cool. Oh, I'm still going. Hold on. Hold on. SecDef Chief of Staff Kelly Magisman was, quote, unable to make notifications before then due to illness. Wait, hold on. So that person's out too. Kelly's having a bad week. Yeah. Also, you know, just a sniffle, so that's not going to work. We obviously can't get on the horn. They, I mean, if imagine, like, imagine any sort of—I don't care what it is that you do for a living—but imagine you have like really important shit to go, and you're like, "Whew, I can't, I can't call anybody today." Yeah. Not going to do it. Also, can we, you know, to be a little serious about this situation? What about the folks that are serving in the military? Yeah. Because you've got a lot of young folks who are putting their lives on the line for this country every single day, away from their families, and, like, the folks in charge are not taking this seriously. Do you think that the people on the aircraft carrier just, like, miles from danger right now are like, well, I got the sniffles. I can't possibly go up and man my battle station today. Hope those drones don't take us out. (laughs) I have the sniffles. (laughs) And it's like, it, 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 they're thinking, like, if shit pops off, uh, I hope someone in the Pentagon showed up for work today. Oh, like, we're on a boat on our own? Is that what the drill is? Sir, I got to fly for my Brazilian butt lift. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get out of here. I love that we've butt. all just embraced the BBL. <laughs> I didn't know about its existence until you just brought it to us. Uh, it's, it's a real thing. Yeah. You got you to gotta stay, you know, like, 
Hollywood hens all over that sort of stuff. She she she's got a, a, a spreadsheet of the the celebrities who've gotten it done. Of, I'm sure she does. Yeah, I mean, it seems like it's gonna be a pretty significant procedure. You've got to sit on so. that thing, so it's not you know. Yeah. I don't know, uh, Anthony Blinken. Yeah, this is also really interesting because it says here Secretary of State Anthony Blinken said he had not been aware that Austin had been hospitalized. The two spoke the weekend before Austin was hospitalized on New Year's Day. So, like, there was an opportunity hey, for the Secretary of Defense to be like, oh, also, I'm getting surgery done. Yeah. Well, oh, oh, but but hold on. Nope. According to the same timeline that they've provided, he was hospitalized in the ICU New Year's Day. So, if he talked to Blinken Wait. on New Year's Day. No, he says uh, uh, do, 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 the two spoke the weekend before he was hospitalized on New Year's Day. This so he wild. talked to him oh, the like, week, so it was like Christmas, day, like twenty four hours before. He's like, "Oh, yeah, a few a few days before." <laughs> Austin's like, "I gotta knock this out." <laughs> he's like, "Oh, everything's <laughs> fine, dude. It's everything's the cool. Decks. I gotta clear the, clear the decks. Put, put on, on the uh, the out of office because the BBL is gonna keep you on the shelf <laughs> for at least. Three it's why it's wild to like have Christmas. I get it. You know, you, you know, things might be a little light, and you can stretch it to New Year, but then January second, third. <laughs> Fourth, just stretching that holiday. At some point, wouldn't you love to be a fly in the wall when some it, somebody in that operation, the political side, is like, um, are we not? <laughs> are we just not? But like, that's the thing is, I think they they have been they've had it so easy, yeah, because like the press has no interest in dude, providing they, scrutiny. I bet they're just like, this is fine, dude. We'll they, say Republicans pounce. They have it so easy. Yep. If this if this happened while Donald Trump was president, oh it would God. be the biggest oh national security breach since the War of eighteen twelve. Like, <laughs> can, can you remember? Can you imagine the the war type on the t mm -hmm. above the fold at the New York Times and the Washington Post? We've never they would melt down. Do you remember the wall to wall coverage when they thought Melania was missing? Oh, you remember yeah. that? Exactly. Oh, yeah. We spent like a week talking about they, that. Yeah. Melania watch. They might as well have printed they might as well have printed a story in the sports section. Yeah. You know what I mean? They won't cover anything else. <laughs> All right. So let's transition out of that. We're gonna keep an eye on it. I do want to know how Congress ultimately reacts to it because it seems like a chain of the command has been uh exposed yeah. here. Yeah. And and there's gonna be some answers that need to be need to be provided at some point. But um we need to get back. So you may have seen yesterday uh, the president was at uh, Emmanuel Baptist in South Carolina and was interrupted by Hamas protest. Well, Palestinian, but Hamas, 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 Hamas protesters, yeah. which I found deeply hilarious that you could you're going to have to ship them far and wide to get them into South Carolina. Yeah. But they were there nevertheless, and they interrupted him. And so, like, this is happening across the country, and it's it's absurd and ridiculous. And you're talking about, like, you look at polling, and it's 20% or less of the American public to find any redeemable value in any of the arguments that they're making. But again, as we've said, a core constituency of the Democratic yep. Party. And so they show up at things like Biden addressing a church where a horrible shooting had happened. I mean, can you imagine? How just completely absurd. I mean, honestly, you, you don't know. Those may have been members of the administration. They all signed the letter that they're like, we support this. That's true. So yeah. it may have That's been like, true. they're like, hey, I'm going to take five boss. And then they yeah. just start shouting out. They say, he's like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm the intern's just going to take five minutes. Hey, fuck you yeah. about Palestine. Yeah. yeah. Biden finds out his whole advance team actually signed that letter. <laughs> God, it makes you wonder. So anyway, but there was something that made less news that were happened in L.A. that is unconscionable. Can we set this clip up? It's clip number three. 
A tense scene in Westwood today. A large group of pro-Palestine protesters marched towards the federal building, demanding an end to what they call genocide against Palestinians in Gaza. The demonstration appeared to be legal until this. Cameras capturing at least one protester spraying graffiti on the Los Angeles National Cemetery. Organizers say they'll continue to, quote, shut down the streets of L.A. until their demands are met. Okay, so what we've got there are pro-Palestinian, and this is according to J-Post, pro-Palestinian protesters vandalized a war veteran cemetery in Los Angeles and shut down Wilshire Boulevard between Interstate 405 and Glendon Avenue outside of a U.S. federal building on Saturday, according to KNN, and that was the footage that we saw there. Free Gaza was one of the phrases uh, that was spray-painted across in green paint. Another text painted this time in black can be seen uh, in the footage reading Intifada. There's also that upside down, upside down triangle, the red triangle, which I believe is a that's a pro Hamas, like explicitly a pro. Well, is that just that's just a straight Hamas deal, right? That can't be confused for anything else. Right. That's not like you can't there's no subjectivity in what that triangle upside down means that that's just him out it doesn't mean peace i can tell you that no no <laughs> so like you know the rapings and the beheadings and the killings of uh, innocent people be damned uh now we're going to vandalize a national cemetery of war veterans i mean you can't make this up yeah i want to know when people are going to get serious about finding out who is funding these terrorist and pseudo terrorist groups who are running around the country and causing problems somebody has to, somebody is funding this we know it's left-wing dark money exactly but there is zero curiosity from the media about who is providing the resources for all of these groups to spring up i mean can we throw that graphic up one more time this is graphic uh one just want you to take a look at this. It's just sick. Free Gaza, <laughs> the Hamas Triangle, an intifada. Yeah. And they knew what it was. They can't be like, oh, we were just spray painting walls. It says right there, Los Angeles National Cemetery. That's it. And they did it above and below Los Angeles National yeah. Cemetery, just in case you didn't get the hint. They're pretty well funded, but I got to tell you, they could use some PR pros to be like, hey, you know what? Maybe not the cemetery. <laughs> you know? But it's I mean, I think that's the thing is that that's how emboldened these folks have right. become. I know. Is they, they not only know they can get away with this, I think they enjoy and, and they take pleasure in doing this. Like the same way, it was just today that uh, every major bridge in the city of New York was shut down by these protesters. Like they don't care about like whether this is actually winning hearts and minds and bringing anyone to their side. They just want everyone to know that, hey, we can do this. And I think that's the thing yeah. is they want to show that, you know, they are the beating heart of the progressive movement right now. They are allowed to get away with this stuff. They can shut down traffic. They can deface cemeteries for war veterans, and there's no consequences for these people. Yeah, fellas. In fact, the opposite. One more thing on that real quick. Did you guys see um, that New York sent checks to the BLM rioters from 2020? Come on. The government of of New York City sent checks to them, like restitution for for their hardship for being like arrested and stuff. Get out of here. Well, I mean, if you're going to send them a check when they get arrested, why wouldn't they do this yeah. stuff? This why is, wouldn't it's, you? It's you get joke. paid for it. These are right. deeply in serious times. Uh, Sorry, Smash, I cut you off uh, there. The only point I was going to add to this whole ridiculous, like, defacing the Veterans Memorial thing is there are still as many as eight 
American hostages yeah. being held by Hamas right now. Yeah. That's not on the front of any newspaper. And they're they're talking of like they're they're protecting these people from like defacing American veteran memorials while the people they support are holding eight American hostages. Yeah. Think about that. It is it is like a Unreal. twisted mindset in our country right now that has to like reverse itself or we are headed down a path we do not want to go. Garbage culture, right, Ducks? Garbage. Garbage yeah. culture. I mean, seriously, it's so bad. So usually we do our horse race stuff on Thursdays. Uh, we're going to still do it on Thursday, but because we're so close to the Iowa caucus, we're going to do a little bit of that. Normally, when Tuesdays, we do kind of a little bit about what's going on in Congress. Uh, the reason we're not going to do that is uh, because there's a lot of dynamic stuff happening right now. There was a deal on government funding that was struck over the weekend, which I, I'll be honest, uh, I'll reserve comments for Thursday. But uh, anybody who doubted that the new speaker had the capacity to, to make deals, I think, um, I think they're on the wrong side of that argument. I mean, oh, he's get, been pretty aggressive here. And yeah, he got sixteen billion in cuts out of it, including ten billion out of the IRS. So the guy is legit. He's doing real stuff, and then they have this sidecar of immigration stuff that they're trying to deal with, predominantly from uh, Senator Lankford dealing with Democrats in the Senate. I'm told inside as I talk to people that he's making a lot of great progress on that. So I'm on the Sunday. He was on Fox News Sunday uh, before I was yesterday. And let's hope because that d- deserves a lot of attention. Let's hope that that comes together. But I, I'm hoping the next like 48 hours we get to that point where we have something concrete to talk about. In the meantime, let's do a little horse racing. The first update, uh, let's do let's set up. Uh, with clip number four, if you wouldn't mind, Spaghetti. Caught up with him after the event, and I asked him directly if there's any truth to the rumors that he would drop out if Donald Trump were to beat him. Take a listen. A lie, totally made up. And, you know, what, when people, you know, fabricate these anonymous sources and do it, what, why he's saying that is because he wants people to somehow think, oh, you know, why should I go in negative 20 degree weather to help? No, you should show up because, you know, we're the one that can get the job done for this country. Uh, but that report is categorically false. So uh, what he's reacting to were the reports that were made out over the weekend that he was going to drop out after the Iowa caucus. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, over the last three months in particular, there's been a lot of emphasis with the DeSantis campaign in Iowa because they've focused a lot of resources there. We've seen it with our own eyes when we went out there that they are doing that. And if he had some sort of a poor performance, that that wouldn't bode well for the future of the DeSantis campaign. That piece of it, I think, is true. That if you do poorly, but clearly when you're a week out, you're not going to talk about the, the inevitability of you doing poorly. And we don't know. I mean, he could do, he could exceed all expectations. It's caucus, right? Mm-hmm. These things are notoriously difficult to pull. And this is just the rumor mill. Like, this is what happens ahead of every caucus. I mean, remember in 2016, um, that text message went out that Ben Carson was mm-hmm. dropping out. That's the thing. This is a wild time. It is. is truly, we are approaching the silly season. This is the silly season, you know? And, and, and remember Trump... Um, accused uh, Cruz of sending out the Ben Carson uh, text to try to get his voters. Anyway, all I'm saying is we're going to see a lot more of this over the next week. Just oh, yeah, it's going to come everywhere. But still. I also remember like the Marco Rubio story that came out on CNN that he was going to drop out after Florida a week before the Florida 
primary and they just vehemently denied it mm-hmm. and then underperformed in Florida and promptly dropped out. So like you don't know all of it's premature until you count the votes. Yeah. But I I also saw so like on mon- Monday the terrible terrible snowstorms in Iowa. Yeah. And Nikki Haley like canceled an event or something and so then immediately people started texting it out like no oh, one, no enthusiasm. Yeah, no company. You know, she, it's a fake campaign. No, yeah. no mo- momentum for Nikki. What I'm saying is, is like every campaign is grasping at every, everything they possibly can to make a last minute argument, even if it is just innuendo and rumor. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, look, there's a lot of crazy stuff. What you can't sort of uh, put subjectivity to, though, is the amount of effort that these candidates have put into yeah. Iowa at this point, which is substantial. And if we can pop up graphic number two, uh, Wolf, where's this from? Axios. This is from Axios. So this is what we're looking at here is all of the events and where they have done the events in Iowa. And for our audio only listeners, uh, Donald Trump has done 24 events in 19 counties. Yeah, these are maps of Iowa, and and they basically colored each county in Iowa that has been visited or had an event from the candidate. Right. Uh, Ron DeSantis has done 99 events in 57 counties. Nikki Haley's done 51 events in 30. Is that 30? 30 yep. counties. Uh, and Ramaswamy has done 239 events in 94 counties. So he's basically gotten pretty much around the state. Looks to me like by the naked eye, there's maybe five c- counties in all of Iowa that he hasn't been to. Uh, DeSantis uh, is covered almost as much. Uh, Nikki, you know, look, she's focusing on the on the population centers there. Uh, Trump, uh, twenty four events. You know, I, I want to. I have a question about the accuracy of this. So when it's it says number of visits to county, I thought I remember in that uh, article which came out about you know when the whole uh, DeSantis super PAC thing and, and the Ro- Jeff Rowe thing was going on. they all 99? Yeah. yeah, I think... Wasn't that one of the points of, yes. like, the same day they want so, to announce he'd so visited all 99? I think the difference is this is, like, physical events, campaign events in the counties versus visiting all the counties maybe for a coffee or something like that. that. Makes you know sense. what I mean? Yep, yep. So these are, like... You know, these are public events, public events. Right. Because I do think that DeSantis campaign maintains they've been to all 99. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which, and I know... Nikki certainly is going to claim more than 51 or more than 30 but, counties. Listen, I know we're tough on this guy, but you got to tip the cap, cap to Vivek. I mean, like that is some. I mean, that map is 39 events in yeah. 94 counties. Yeah. The guy is the guy is hustling. And yeah, I know he's, he's spending he a in. lot of money to not score a high number. But like you really have to salute the guy's effort here. Yeah, well, here's the story. Trump, with a big lead in the polls, has stuck mostly uh, with big rallies in urban centers and help from surrogates, such as former Housing and Urban Development Secretary Ben Carson and South Dakota Governor Christy Noem. Uh, from January 123 through Thursday, last Thursday, Trump had 24 events, fewer than, far fewer than his challengers. He stepped up his pace this weekend, which began a series of appearances that will continue through next week. His relaxed approach over the past year has reflected his confidence as a front runner, as and his court schedule as he faces felony charges in four jurisdictions. Uh, now the former president has rushed to close a deal with conservative voters in Iowa is a signal that he's hoping to crush Ron DeSantis and uh, his hopes from the start and try to stem Nikki Haley's rise. Trump's increasing focus on Haley was evident in a speech in Sioux City on Friday 
when he cast the former UN ambassador as weak on the border. Uh, all right. Well, I mean, look, we've seen some of this coming. Um, Trump is going to try to close this deal. And they've said this right from the very beginning. They felt confident in Iowa, but they knew that DeSantis, one of the reasons I think that they were so rough on DeSantis throughout the course of this campaign was not only that he was competing with him nationally at the beginning of it, but that at Iowa and what set the stage for the rest of this campaign, he was particularly strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> Which is honestly, it's a testament to the strategy of the Trump campaign and the fact that they are taking a very clinical approach to this yeah. election in a way that they, they just didn't in, in 16, not, not dog in their 16 campaign, but they just, they had one guy in Iowa in 2016 who used to be the driver for Rick Santorum. And now they're like, taking a very but he was a great driver by all accounts like awesome yeah no 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 great great driver always signaled you know when he was turning didn't run slow (laughs) in the left lane but the but the fact of the matter is now they got like killers running the show there like well but very serious campaign hands but 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 what josh just said is a very sophisticated approach to Mm -hmm. taking out a formidable opponent well and making sure that you don't get the cascading sort of domino effect which we've seen happen in elections where you know, if everyone has expectations from a national polling perspective that somebody is going to dominate something, then all of a sudden another candidate wins. That candidate obviously takes some strength into the next election and the next and the next. And you got to stop that domino from building. And I think what Trump campaign has done from the very beginning is ensure that the dominoes never start. Well, yeah, but I guess to put some numbers on it, I would say, you know, there's a big difference between. 50 and 40 like 42 right? you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah it's like yeah. If, if if trump gets there at 42 and you know desantis and nikki are there like i don't know in 20s or something like that and then the balance is the other candidates you know it's not a it, it doesn't look as dominant you know when you're the the former president of the united states agree especially when you're going to be then going into new hampshire where you know nikki haley has been uh, sort of creeping up creeping up on you so yeah so so you think michael i guess i'd ask all you guys this but you think a scenario where the outcome is donald trump 42 ron DeSantis 25 nikki haley 22 you think that scenario keeps the race alive i mean i think it just kind of has to right i mean like the guy is the former president of the united states the thought that only 42 percent are with him in this first contest means it's still a race. I mean, I, I have to think that. And especially, like I said, in New Hampshire, I mean, there's been like two polls now out in the last couple of weeks where she's like nipping on his yeah, heels. Yeah, a single-digit single You race. know, like yeah. a, a five-point race, a three-point race. Like, I mean, that's a real thing. Yeah. You know? Well, and I do think, to your point, it's been a long time, uh, in fact, probably never in recent history, where you have a candidate that, is so well known and so anchored i mean clearly we've not had a former president since like grover cleveland uh do this sort of thing Mm -hmm. but um if you're ubiquitously known uh you're gonna have to edge towards a half your party in order to put the thing away entirely Mm -hmm. right i mean if 60 percent of of the republican primary electorate is still not sold that's a big number when you're dealing with the front end right. of, of caucuses. Well, primary. let's just let's just think about it this way. You know, a little thought experiment here. You know, uh, the Democrats are doing, I think, um, all male Iowa caucus or primary or whatever or something. 
Like if Joe Biden took 45% of that or something. Oh, you'd be just It'd be alarm alarm bells, you know, through the entire Democratic Party. Mm -hmm. Right. So, Mm -hmm. like, I mean, I think that is the reality is like if Trump does come in in low 40s, it's a totally different conversation than if he's over 50. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's right. And conversely, look, if polls are wrong, Mm -hmm. um, particularly caucuses. I mean, things were very different in 2016 than we ultimately were led to believe. Again, it gets it gets very wild. So, I mean, hand in hand with that, where it said earlier in this article that uh, the Trump campaign had dispatched Ben Carson because he is incredibly popular yeah. in Iowa. I mean, it, like you said, in 2016, I mean, he he almost won the thing, right? Mm-hmm. And then you know, there's all these rumors of which campaign sent out the text messages saying that like <laughs> Ben Carson's actually dropping out. There's no point caucusing for him, you know? Right. Um, and then Ted Cruz ends up picking up the win there. It's it's still fluid. And like honestly, pretty much anything can still happen. And Marco had like a ten point close in the last forty eight hours to finish a close third in that race. And so it I was mean, a distant third. He kind of he kind of dropped the ball there, but <laughs> I know you're not gonna give him credit, but it was a close three way race, is my point. And look, we've all been led to believe this is a thirty thirty five point race. Mm-hmm. If it's fifteen, that gets some people's attention. And so you know, one of the things that I think the Trump campaign is going to have to figure out how to manage post Iowa is the expectations game because of this massive national lead, because of the massive Iowa lead. If it's something less than what the polls say, uh, they're going to have to reestablish some momentum in a way that they haven't had to since last spring mm-hmm. when when DeSantis initially was a rumored candidate. So I don't know. We're going to see how that works oh, out. One, la- one last thing I want to add is my advice, you know, for the folks in Iowa, um, every four years, essentially, campaigns descend on your state and they have to, like, worship the ground you walk on trying to earn your vote. It's, you got one week left. I would not pay for a single meal. No. <laughs> breakfast, lunch, no. dinner. You're going to a campaign event. They Good. better cover your breakfast at the diner. I'm showing up to the pizza ranch. It's going to be at least I'm, I'm four going years. In. Before you have this opportunity. You got to go like John Kasich in on the buffet line and have the campaign pick up the tab. Wherever you go, any campaign event, you got one week left, man. I would like gorge. Hit it hard. I'm like like a bear, you know, getting ready to hibernate for the winter if I'm a a voter in Iowa right now. Yeah, you got to be like like eating contest level stuff. Yeah, 100%. So like this is your week, folks. If you're in Iowa, enjoy it. Make it happen. Make them earn it. Yeah, make them earn it. Make them earn it. Uh, One bit on the Democratic side, there was a very interesting article in the Washington Post last week about how Obama, very concerned about the Biden campaign. Oh, Uh no. Very <laughs> concerned about the about the Biden campaign. Uh, former President Barack Obama uh, has raised questions about the structure of President Biden's reelection campaign, discussing the matter directly with Biden and telling the president's aide and allies that the campaign needs to be empowered to make decisions without clearing them through the White House, according to people familiar with the conversations. Couple observations out there. I love this story. I, it's like, a, it's I can't, a, I can't it's wait. Awesome. I can't wait for these observations. I think First I know all, where they're going to go. Can you imagine? Can you imagine as a staffer how much you would fucking hate oh. Obama rolling in and being like, "Nah, yeah, this is the way this ought to work. This is the way. Here's how I did it. Mm-hmm. This is the way you guys ought to do it." Because but, no matter, all these people are essentially like the fourth string Obama team. Totally. So they never were like actually making things happen they weren't part of like the team of stars that obama's you know campaign teams that went and got 
contracts and and podcasts and everything these are the people who they're like okay idiot go grab the like coffee get the pizza for the volunteers but, and now they're like you know press secretary but this is so this is to put meat on that bone uh it, it, that he he needs to put decision makers at hq <laughs> yeah. or empower the ones already in place i feel like that one was like maybe a throw in like, I don't feel like maybe that was where Obama's heads was at. Hmm. Because then he also said he recommended specific individuals. Oh, maybe these people talked in the article. I don't know. Have you, t- have you heard of these people? People like David Pluff, <laughs> <laughs> who managed Obama's 2008 race. He's the type of senior strategist needed at the Biden campaign. There, so Obama's chilling in Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> He's at the beach. And, like, he gets, a, like, a call from his boys who are like, listen, dude, like... He's going through chef resumes. Pockets yeah. are looking kind of... <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that's dude. dark. That's dark. Wow. He's like, let me tell you, staffing is tough. <laughs> Finding good help is tough. Joe, you got to focus on this. Whatever you do, don't get the paddle boards out too early. I'll tell oh. you that much. But, but he's like chilling at the beach, and then like his boys call, and they're like, my pockets are looking kind of tight. Yeah. You think you can get me some of this campaign money? He's like, all right, fine, I'll call Joe. Yeah, I'll get him in. It's we, about 3 o'clock. He's probably up by now. We need these kind of people. <laughs> and like when it says that Obama grew, quote, animated. <laughs> and this guy, he's like, right. Joe, wake the fuck up, dude. <laughs> it's me. He was animated only because he couldn't <laughs> hear what he was yeah. saying. <laughs> what? What? That's why he was screaming. I mean, did Biden, number one, know where he was? And does he call him Mr. President? Like, you know, like he thinks That's he's still the VP. That is a great question. Is he like, what are you talking about? Your campaign's looking good. Do you want to take bets on that? <laughs> like, he's like, Puff is already running your campaign. What are you talking about, Obama? I'll bet you my Obama's home like, holy shit. that he calls him Joe. 100% calls him Joe. There's he no way that he provides him the deference of calling him Mr. President. Just negs him. Absolutely. Absolutely. Don't 100%. you think? 100% Obama, Obama calls him Joe, dude. Completely. There's no way that he does any sort of like deferential treatment. No, for absolutely not. No way. I love. It. Anyway, the bottom line is they're saying that nobody in the, in the campaign can make any decisions because everybody in the White House needs to approve it, so they can't actually make any decisions. Here's a secret: they're not going to make any decisions because they can't fucking do anything with this guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. What decisions are you going to make? What email copy to go out? Yeah. Because it's not sure as hell not going to be a public appearance. And Obama thinks the email copy sucks, too. <laughs> In fact, the only way that Joe Biden can win re-election is if David Pluff gets two points on the buy. <laughs> <laughs> that, my friends, is his only path to victory. <laughs> There's this gentleman out of Chicago by the name of Axel Rod. I think you need to take a hard look at what he says. It's a low cost of six and a half. <laughs> Okay, so, so the details of this, I, I'm looking at this now. This is this is so awesome. It says, so Obama came to a secret meeting at the White House. They had lunch. So it says here, during the lunch, Obama noted the success of his re-election campaign structure in 2012 when some of his top presidential aides, including David Axelrod, Jim Messina, left the White House to take charge of the campaign operation in Chicago. So he shows up to lunch, and he's like, Joe, I let you stay in my house. <laughs> you work for me, and you're fucking it all up, dude. I handed you this easy W, and you're still fucking it up. And I bet Joe's, like, 
who am I talking to? You know, like he's probably not even sure what's going on. It's lunch, yeah. which is early as hell for Joe Biden. Oh, I know. He doesn't. That's like breakfast. It's, it's two to four that are his hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so first off, I think he's extremely confused. He's like, who's this guy? He's like, he's my with? secretary of defense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> uh, that was fucked up. I apologize. <laughs> But hey, I mean, that's, <laughs> this is the situation we find ourselves in. We're like, but he's brain dead. I mean, because Obama is essentially like still the like good housekeeping seal. Yeah. And on, on the on the Democrat side, yeah, like he is. If they have a Senate candidate in trouble, they're calling Martha's Vineyard. Obama, can you drop by, save our asses? And so I bet you know to a certain extent he's like, I'm trying to make Netflix movies. I thought you know I told you people I'm done with this bullshit. So I bet he's always in a bad mood when he has to show up to the shit. He lives at the beach. I will say I will say this. Good point. I will say this. Obama's not wrong. Got <laughs> no. a whole bunch of this stuff. <laughs> no. Right. And the thing is, like the Jim Jim Messina's and Axelrods. I know less about Pluff, but by reputation, they're actually they're pretty good at what they do. I mean, they're they're solid campaign people they don't have any of those walking around joe biden's orbit yeah there's not like the dude who's like oh yeah well he knows what he's doing axelrod was riding them over this lloyd austin thing was he did you guys notice that on twitter Mm -hmm. interesting one thing after the other well i so i and i did uh i did a preno show on thursday with messina last thursday and he was remarkably in line with the strategy of the valley's forge speech and the Charleston Ooh. speech, which I thought was noteworthy because, look, this guy's very smart. He's very good. And he has a tendency to be sort of an entrepreneur on all of these things, right? Uh. He makes, like, uh, observations that aren't necessarily democratic dogma. Uh, and he wasn't doing – I mean, he, look, he's good at what he does, so he's not, he doesn't come off like he's just reading the talking points. But it was a little – it adhered a little closer to the standard that I had been used to in talking with him throughout the years. So I wonder – Maybe some changes have been made. I wonder. Hmm. And you know what? I bet like a point here, a point there. Yeah, a little stuff. <laughs> and, 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 and for the like existing Biden campaign people, like this dynamic has to be like you're the little brother. You know, like Axelrod Messina will fire off some tweets being like, these guys suck ass. You know, they're trash. We actually knew what we were doing. Yeah. Like it's, it's big brother, little brother syndrome. And I bet it's just that same dynamic for Obama and Biden. Where he's like, well, you're my dumb little brother. I got to look out for you, you know? Oh. I mean, I don't know. But it, it, it's a fascinating thing to watch. It's only going to get louder because the polls aren't going anywhere anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Like we said, when this thing gets to a point where it breaks one way or another, it's going to be kind of late in the game on this deal. And I, I expect a very cold winter for Joe Biden. And I imagine there's going to be a lot of process involved with that. So the story you mentioned... Mm-hmm. About Biden campaign bringing in top journalists. Oh, yeah, right, right. The semaphore. I'm I'm glad we're covering this. Yeah, so uh, President Joe Biden's uh, re-election campaign has begun organizing a series of off-the-record trips for top political reporters and editors. Uh, Let's get back to that in a second. Mm -hmm. Uh, To the team's headquarters in Wilmington, Delaware, uh, to meet with top officials, including campaign manager and deputies and other senior advisors, for background briefings on campaign strategy. Mm -hmm. Interesting. They're also using it as an opportunity to tell them what they're getting wrong. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Two people with knowledge of the situation told Simifor that during meetings with reporters from outlets like the New York Times, the Washington Post, and others, the campaign officials have invoked a coverage spreadsheet laying out areas where the team believes their reporting has fallen short. 
<laughs> Only Democrats. Amazing, right? In particular, campaign officials have chafed at some of the coverage of former President Donald Trump, feeling that the outlets are too focused on his legal troubles and haven't paid enough attention to some of his incendiary recent statements on the campaign trail. Can you imagine how condescending this whole thing would be? Like, they pull out a spreadsheet and they're like, okay, Washington Post, you get a gold star <laughs> for your economic coverage. Really appreciate it. But you see, this this is... This is a storm cloud. Your foreign policy coverage has a storm cloud. See, we don't like that. <laughs> they, they, that's dude. They brought him in. They brought him in for parent-teacher night. Storm cloud. Yeah. They brought him for parent-teacher night. Is. In sum, we love the inflation is actually good framework. Right. Yeah. We don't like the Donald Trump may be competitive framework. <laughs> that's that's not going to work for us. No gold stars. No. But you have another opportunity on your next assignment. <laughs> and here's what we want you to write You can about make up Donald. for it with yeah. some extra credit. We'll give you some extra credit. Exactly. <laughs> and to talk with you is going to be Jim Messina. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude. I mean, it's it, it's incredible. The audacity. Yeah. To, to I mean... Also, it tells you a lot about what it is that they're like the whole mindset over there when they're like, you're focused too much on the legal troubles mm -hmm. and not enough on the incendiary things that he said. Is there a single American? I mean this sincerely. Is there a any American center right or conservative that is surprised by anything Donald Trump says? Or that, I, I don't know it, that is like, be. oh, well, that's the straw that broke the camel's back. I don't think there's any any American at this point, honestly. Unless they're like a, a journalist or they're just trying to like, you know, or, or they have a, a vested interest to try to make hay of anything Donald Trump says. I think everyone knows Trump's going to say where the hell he wants. I think we got that out of our system and accepted that in 2016. Like, what, what, what are these people talking about? Like, oh, well, shit. But also Trump if said this, I'm done with if him. If you were offended by anything. You've got a catalog to work with. I mean, we got six long years of amazing tape to be offended by. Yeah. There's what, nothing that he can say that is going to be worse than what he's already said. So if that's what you're focused on, like, that's not a strategy. What, what, get, <laughs> no. what, what get, that's not a strategy. That's why, folks, Jim Messina. <laughs> <laughs> so ladies and gentlemen, David Falf and Jim Messina. <laughs> Fellas, what's get, what gets my attention most is the blame shifting that the Biden campaign is saying, no, it's not our fault. It's not our president's fault. It's the media who is not writing the correct things about Donald Trump. It's back to our whole thing and, with framework. And Barack Obama. It's not my fault. It's the Biden campaign is not running a real campaign's fault. Hmm. So they're already blame shifting, and it is January of 2024. <laughs> nine months. And they all know they're going to face Donald Trump in November, and they think they're going to lose. You think yeah. so? That's what I mean. That's what this tells me. Mm. They think they say, can, they think that's they, their mindset. They think they can lose. I oh no question. And that's Obama wouldn't be doing that sort of stuff if he wasn't trying to cover his ass on that front. Like I think they do think that they could lose this race. I will say, the idea that they went out and did the Valley Forge speech was predominantly about Jan Six. As if any as if any that. Democrat thinks about Valley Forge and the founding of our country in any other context. Right. I mean, think of it. Like, they, they never, they, they, don't want, they don't want teachers to teach about Valley Forge. Yeah. They don't want anybody to learn about Valley Forge right. until it's the time to frame it under a Democrat's context. Sorry, go ahead. No, I just, but I was just going to say, that in mm -hmm. concert with the uh, Emanuel Church in South Carolina tells me 
they look at the same polls everybody else does. Yeah. They know that they have an intensity problem. They know they have a base problem. And they know that if those people come home that they're probably going to be in good shape. And then the Jan 6 stuff is for the last two years, the thing that got them over the top in the midterms in terms of that and abortion. So, like, if you're looking for a playbook for what Joe Biden is going to do here for the next nine months, it is going to be abortion. It's going to be Jan 6. Trump is dangerous. I put that in the same silo. And then it is a series of events like the one that he had in South Carolina that is just exclusively focused on base turnout. Like, those three things. Can I add one more? What? And this is more a, like... They'll do this primarily through surrogates and left-wing podcasts and stuff like that. But a vote for a third party is a vote for Donald Trump. Is going to oh, be a big push uh, for them. They've already started with if that. You look at that USA yeah. Today Suffolk poll and everything where uh, Biden, I think, is only winning 65% of African-American voters. Yeah. And Donald Trump's like still at like the historic average of Republicans, like 12% or where, whatever. Where he'll be precisely right. on election day. And all the other African-American voters are like, yeah, RFK looks good. You know what I mean? Yep. And so that's going to be part of their strategy as well. It, it, a lot of it, I think, is solved through the other stuff that you mentioned. You know, democracy is at stake and that sort of thing. But they're going to talk brass tacks, too, with the electorate, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. It's I mean, a little bit more of a process, but I understand what you They you're still talk about. about Jill Stein. You know what I mean? Yeah. You it's know? probably not out of the president's mouth. No. But it is, but it is something they're, they're going to push. And you're going to see a lot of that stuff on your front page of the newspaper to yeah. the extent that you even pick the rag up anymore. Uh, can, I, can I add one thing to this? Uh, the, the other side of this, when, you know, this this campaign team is bringing in journos and giving them, like, a parent-teacher conference, like, the things journos do for free food. Because I guarantee <laughs> this is like, hey, guys, we're going to give you some, like, sandwiches and cookies. It'll be like California Pizza Kitchen. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. If it, if it's like an actual restaurant, like, journos will kill people. If it's free food, you can demean these people however much you want. You can you can spit on them as long as they're being given a free meal. You know that's like I guess says a lot about the state of journalism and how subhuman these people are. Like this, you're gonna let someone demean you and give you a talking to like you're a child. Ashbrook, how do you respond sandwich, to that, bro? I think this is exactly what Smug's gonna do next week in Iowa when he wants pizza ranch. Well, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna give me free all, pizza. All, all ranch. the campaign folks, you want positive coverage? It's simple. Hook it up at the pizza ranch. Feed me. <laughs> you, st- <laughs> you start to see you start to see a lot of really positive Ron DeSantis tweets yeah. in his feed. Yeah. You, you figure out that he went to Pizza Ranch. <laughs> <laughs> Just a picture of him and Polyansky. I finally learned how this journalism and media stuff works. This, <laughs> he's like, this isn't a bad gig after all. <laughs> Incredible. All right, but you have some more exciting news. I do. And we wanted to announce it here on the program because it's going to be available as you're listening to this. That's right, folks. So we had been teasing for a while that if you subscribe on YouTube, if you go to Ruthless's YouTube, you're going to be seeing some exciting things that you're not going to be getting through the podcast. And one of them is we were graciously invited by the Nixon Library in California uh, for me to pay a visit, take a look around the place, talk to the folks there. And today, January 9th, to celebrate Nixon's birthday, we are releasing that video on YouTube. You're going to see... I mean, this is truly an well, incredible Why don't we go for a little preview? Can we get a little preview clip? Let's get a little preview clip it. so we see what we're talking about here. Ooh, I love the music. Wow, look at this. Can you believe it? Wow. 
Jesus. You got I mean, this here? is incredible. Amazing. Smug, Amazing. welcome to the Nixon Library. Thank you so much for Absolutely. having me. This has been like a lifelong dream. Well, uh, I this mean, is this where is we make beautiful. dreams come true. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, so today, we get to have the full tour, right? We do, yeah. And y'all are lucky. You get to join us for a tour of the entire library just for you. Private tour. Thank you so much. I can't Absolutely. thank you enough. Let's get started. Let's get started. I think the record should show that uh, this is one of those uh, spontaneous uh, things that we always arrange whenever the president comes in to speak. So when the museum was renovated in 2016, um, we took a pretty novel approach. Mm -hmm. We wanted to throw the visitor into the 1960s. You know, normally the presidential library, have you been to any other presidential libraries? This is my first. Oh, Started awesome. at the best, right? You picked a good one. <laughs> uh, so normally they, you know, he was born and then he did this and then he did this. We threw that concept out and we wanted to throw people right into the 1960s and show them uh, the chaos and the turbulence of what was happening. I mean, that seems super cool, dude. It yeah. was incredible. And again, you know, thanks so much to Jim, the whole team over there at the Richard Nixon Foundation. They, they had the place closed off. It was only for us, for our listeners, for our viewers. You guys, it's like you get a personal tour of this library. It was it was mind-blowing. You have to see it. You got to see it. Now more than ever. Now more than now ever. Now more than ever. Now more than ever. Excellent. Yeah, and definitely subscribe to YouTube and, and get turn on the notifications. Hit that bell thing. So then you'll just get the push notification when we go live for Iowa Good next point. week yeah. and everything. You don't want to miss it. And I mean, just from the promo, that library is a hell of a place. It's incredible. Totally. It, it really is mind blowing. Absolutely beautiful place. I highly recommend everyone go and visit. If you ever get a chance to go out there, that place, not not Disney World, is is the most magical place on earth. And what's amazing is that there are places with that high of esteem that still let you in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, thank you so much <laughs> for that. They, the <laughs> they gave you free carte blanche in the place. Uh, and I, it really is an incredible, incredible experience. Highly recommend folks go visit it and definitely check out that video. Well, mm. yeah, if you want to see what it's all about, you got to subscribe and get in on that because you're going to love every minute of that. Uh, all right, boys, you want some uh, want some variety? Yes. Always. And you know what, Smug, this is kind of like right up your alley. We're going to get right into it. I don't know if you guys saw this clip. I'm going to play the clip first, but it is stunning. Uh, can we do clip five? That is a hole in an airplane. <laughs> God. That frightening yeah. incident above Oregon late Friday prompting <laughs> Alaska Airlines to ground all of its Boeing 737 MAX 9 jetliners. The flight had taken off from Portland bound for Ontario when a door plug fell out, leaving a hole in the fuselage. The depressurized <laughs> plane landing safely with no serious injuries. The NTSB investigating what caused this terrifying, terrifying midair scare. Oh, dude, there are tens of thousands of feet in the air. Yeah. And a side of the plane just blows <laughs> off. And the, the cell phone video for your audio-only listeners, it's like the, the, the people who are sitting there are in a convertible. It's like you're just looking at you're looking yeah. at the straight outside. It's Everyone's like, just like looking at this hole. It's <laughs> chilling. It's like, but it, what's remarkable is it looks very like self-contained. Didn't it? Like somebody just opened the emergency door and pushed it out. Yeah. You know? I'm totally. surprised. I would always thought that like in that situation, it's like, like in all the movies where they show everybody gets sucked like, out. Yeah, you get like sucked out. Everyone's chill everyone's just chilling. They're just well, watching. But also like isn't this like the way of things in coach? It's like you don't know <laughs> oh, come what's on. happening back there. And you, honestly, they're just cutting air hole for these animals to breathe. They should be like, Oh, you know what? 
thank you for this. Steerage usually doesn't get good air. Oh. <laughs> it was an Alaska Airlines flight, which clearly does not fit into the typical whipping boys yeah. of the airlines. Yeah, Alaska, I mean, domestic is always a nightmare. <laughs> they all drop the ball, especially relative to the rest of the planet. But Alaska's one of the better ones. If you have to fly domestic, they're your, your better bet. Well, until now. <laughs> until You know what? If, if there's a hole in coach, I don't mind. <laughs> Just unbelievable. What, they still give pre, pre-flight drinks. Like they're a real airline in that response. What was know, the situation? Respect. What was the situation where, like, after some period of time, the the uh, steward walked back and <laughs> yeah. So I saw a clip, and I don't. I think this is probably after they landed. So I mean, look, this plane, the the side of it falls out, <laughs> and then like it seemed like a more self-contained operation there than I would have imagined it to be. Mm-hmm. Probably because, I don't know, they were at a reasonable flight. They had to go down below 10,000, obviously, because of depressurization Oh, and that's that. why. That's yeah. why, okay. So they did. <laughs> at some point, I'm guessing after the landing, I saw a uh, a flight attendant walk back and look at the row where this hole is in the plane. And the last seat of the plane before the hole was empty he's like just to be clear was there anyone sitting there (laughs) (laughs) not anymore they're they're like no and he's like oh thank god (laughs) (laughs) God. and like i I mean the poor guy i'm so shocked can you imagine if you just had the like you're just sitting in a in a jeep Except you're going 500 miles an hour at 16,000 feet, and it's just like I, I ripping just, I, past I, you. I can't get over how calm all these people are. Like, yeah. well, this is good. They're all just like silently staring at the hole guy, in the plane. Guy brings a Kindle back out. Exactly, <laughs> just playing on the on I, his iPhone. I mean, honestly, though, I I would rather see the hole than be up there and first and have no idea. What yeah. is wrong? What like the tail could be missing? Yeah, right. Like, right. like you, you can't see. All you can hear is the whipping of all of this wind in the plane, and there's a, there's a oxygen mask in your face. For uh, all, for all you know, no there's way. no rear of the plane. I don't, I don't, I would not want to know. Absolutely not, dude. I, 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 so I'm surprised there was no like flipping out. Like no one went crazy because the problems are always in coach every time. Come on, that's where there's fights. Like no one started fighting. No one, like you know. I'm completely no shocked by that. What do you mean they're gonna get you can't get your seatbelt off? You end up these you are, can't even breathe. These are, these are coach people, bro. They're like <laughs> oh, three to a row, packed in like sardines. These are angry, dangerous people. There is, there is, there is a trade-off. So many there, there is there is a trade-off. I had an uncle who was a PhD and an expert in these things, and he said that the safest place on an airplane is in the back. So you are trading off luxury for safety. Well, I don't want to be safe. Like, if the plane's going to go down, I want to go on impact, dude. I don't want to be in the aftermath. Like, you the know, last the Skinner guys who were, like, screaming for a while before they died. Like, <laughs> Skinner guys. I want to be splattered on impact, be gone. But, like, and also no one in coach, like, usually when there's, like, something happening, if there's a delay, you can start hearing the people in the back being like, I need pretzels, give me food. <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> no one here is demanding, like, stewardess sandwich. <laughs> I'd say, I'm just very shocked. You know, congratulations for those people to remain calm. In this. Smug, um, <laughs> you know that Uruguayan uh, rugby team that crashed in the Andes and then they... Yeah, they like started eating each other. Yeah, well, the dead bodies, you know. They ate um, each other's asses. They did. They, they, are you serious? Yeah, it was Well, terrible. the reason why I bring it up is like there's a new series on Netflix, or movie on Netflix called Society of Snow, which is about that whole thing. Oof. N- 
doesn't turn out too good for the people in the front. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> they get their asses eaten. Yeah, so all, the, all the all the rows basically like scissor up like an accordion on them. Uh huh. It's not good. Science shows that the back is safer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Well, yeah. whatever the case is, the the most intriguing part of this story, in addition to the fact that they all landed safely, thank God, is that during the when the hole blew out, uh, some dude's phone. <laughs> oh. With, with it. That's insane. Right? I don't we, know how anyone's going to put up graphic number three? This is this guy's phone. Are you serious? It plunged 16,000 feet from the plane. Wait, it's still working? Yes. It flew a number of miles. Am I right, Wolf? Like it, because you're going like, you know, three, 400 miles <laughs> an hour. So, like, this thing drops out of the plane. It flies by itself because, you know, I mean, it's a flat surface, it does its thing. And it goes several miles, lands into a into the ground, and and is recovered. And it still had what he was looking at on the plane when the hole blew open, like he was trying to find his bag. Receipt. This is this is hilarious. So like he got charged a bag fee. <laughs> <laughs> it says he had to pay seventy bucks for one. Well, I hope they refunded his bag fee. That's the thing is like seventy bucks, pal. Hold me up. I wish, I wish I could have been there at the gate when they're deep planing, and like, what kind of deals are they having to make for these folks? Yeah. Oh at my that God. point, where Wait, they're so, like, so, okay, we can give you a food voucher. Who's down with the food voucher? Who's taking that bid? You know, like, what do they, what do they have? A hole in your what flight? do they have to offer? Unlimited flights to Juno? Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I'm going to go back and forth once a week for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing, no place I'd rather be than Juno. Wolf, what was the story with, didn't, wasn't it, it was still on, so it was pinging. It was in airplane mode. It was in airplane <laughs> mode? How did they find the damn thing? Guy was walking down the street, picked it up right up off the ground. So somebody found it. Called, he called the NTSB and said, I think this is from the plane, and the flight number is on the screen. So what Wolf is telling us is that somebody was walking down the street and found this phone alongside of the street and called the NTSB because it was open to the bag receipt of the plane that just blew a hole in it yeah. and said, I think this is probably from somebody. That's pretty lucky. Can you, well, can you imagine? You're like, well, shit, I lost a phone out of the whole deal. The next thing you know, it shows up it completely intact. Hats off to iPhone, by yeah. the way. Yeah, yeah. Huh? And, and OtterBox or whoever was the case manufacturer of this thing. Yeah, I mean, seriously. They, they, they owe uh, they should Tran Kong. <laughs> what? Uh, 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 yeah, that's the name yeah, of the person's name. Yeah, yeah, Tran Kong. I mean, I'm probably butchering the pronunciation. Oh yeah, yeah. Tran. Uh, yeah, Tran was the guy who lost the phone. Yeah, should should be on a an ad campaign. They should have him on an ad campaign. That is as good as it gets. I mean, talk about <laughs> so. Insane. You can drop this phone from sixteen thousand I mean, feet, and it's fine. Tran, buy yourself a lottery ticket because <laughs> uh, you're pretty lucky. I, I, I want to know what they get though. I want to know what they get. What out of Tran this. gets? All the people oh, who, are, who are staring at the hole. Like Tran, <laughs> Tran better have some seriously free shit. Yeah, you better yeah. ask for a lot. A you lot. don't. You don't get away with blowing holes in your airplane. I mean, the lawsuits are so. This was, I believe, the Boeing seven thirty seven Max, which has previously had some issues. Jesus, and like, isn't that the one that went yeah. down like yeah. uh, all over the place? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's the lawsuits that are going to come out of like the passengers on that plane, man. Maybe like, Boeing wants to start a new body style. I'm just saying, yeah. like maybe this one, uh, they just it's bedeviled. Yeah, in many ways. Oof. I don't know. Well, anyway, uh, you want more plane news? 
Always. God, just this given one, Smug the content he wants. This one fits right into Smug's I, I, barrel I remember seeing of this. his bat. So let's play clip number six. Uh, you will not believe it with your eyes. And for your audio-only listeners, I will explain it to you. Here's a plane in the dark of night, and somebody... Oh, <laughs> you're kidding me. What? What is that? Dressed their child in a bunny outfit. we got to play it again. Uh, dressed their child in a bunny outfit that is flashing neon lights throughout the course of the trip. Imagine a, a bunny costume full of Christmas lights that are set to, like, rave pulse. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it, everyone's trying to sleep on this plane. It looks like an EDM show. It's insane. The best part is the kids sitting there, and then the ears go up and down every once yeah. in a while. Yeah, you, you know, you know, he's a real little shit because he's making eye contact with all of them. <laughs> and, and, and I love the dad is staring at the person with the camera phone, being like, "What are you gonna do? I'm an iPad parent. <laughs> <laughs> what are you gonna do, bro? I decided to give all of you epilepsy. Yeah, so my child Here, stays quiet here's for the duration the thing. of if, this flight. If the emergency window blows out." And then you see that you're like, this is a setup. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've been had. I'm on the absolute wrong flight. I've been had. <laughs> but this is the thing: is so like to Pan Am, sir. <laughs> so I know. I know you folks advocate like parent lawlessness on flights. You're, you you're saying you're you're okay with that. You you're folks. like that's totally cool. No, why would I be okay with that? You're typically like, oh, you know what, Smug, let him have iPad. Parents going ham. They the kid can do whatever it wants. It's that, up to society to deal with it. That is not what I. That's said. been your take, typically. That's not my take at all. I mean, uh, so you draw the line at like rave rabbit, like rave rabbit is. You're where not you're good like, with that. Are okay, you? finally. I am not good with rave rabbit. <laughs> okay, I just, just wanted to make sure that's not the that's not next in the in the flying hopper. In in my flying hopper, my bag of tricks. Yeah. No, my bag of tricks is like coloring books. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Imagine trying to remember the rave rabbit. How does that get through TSA? I don't know. It seems like it was completely electrified. Like that thing's gonna the, be like wired to hell. The ears were going up and down. <laughs> like you just wearing that in the terminal? I, if they're wearing it in the terminal, it never would have gotten through. They the, had to put the kid through the X-ray. They, <laughs> they had to actually put him in the machine. <laughs> fed the kid feet first through the machine. <laughs> Unbelievable. This next one comes courtesy of the family of Wolf, I believe, and this is fantastic. It, it falls into our animal category. Mm -hmm. But it turns out, uh, according to KCRA, California wildlife officials warn against Tahoe flyers telling people to feed the bears. Wait, what? Feed well, the bears. It seems like what they're doing here may be a little mockery of the woke. Because what they've... What oh, they've, amazing. What they have written is... There's something for every citizen of Tahoe at Lake Tahoe needs to know about our black bear population. They're suffering considerably. The black, <laughs> black bears of Lake Tahoe are some of the most marginalized and oppressed species of life that I've ever seen. A black bear requires a certain amount of calories every single day just to provide it with the energy to survive. Where do I begin to speak about this tra tra tragedy? If you see a black bear, uh, they're always walking real slow. Hmm. This is because they are not only receive, not receiving enough calories to operate properly, but because they are n eating nasty, rotten things that human beings throw away in the garbage, which is making them sick. If they're even lucky enough to find garbage. 
as they spend most of their life going from garbage to garbage can, uh, uh, finding it locked due to the selfishness of human beings. <laughs> the horrendous Don't Feed Bears campaign was dreamed <laughs> up by people too lazy to sweep up garbage, supposedly created by the animal. If you can <laughs> still cling to this concept, you should be absolutely ashamed of yourself. The so-called scientific reasoning is they don't want they don't want uh, bears to become reliant on people or food. It goes on to talk about how you should just actually feed these animals directly by hand. Has Smug been, uh, been seen in Lake Tahoe recently? Because it seems like something you would do. <laughs> fellas, fellas, uh, this references Hank toward the bottom. Oh, wow. Did you notice that? And they will praise themselves for sending a mother they called Hank to Colorado and her cubs to the California coast. Yeah, see, I think that they've made, this might be created by... By our people. Oh, it's comedy. I, I it's think comedy we might, gold. I'm, I'm looking at KCRA. They're saying that like wildlife officials are saying this flyer is false and that like, bears can absolutely survive. Please do not listen survive. to this flyer. <laughs> do you think it's minions? It's I possible. Mean, Wolf, it's, do we think it's minions? It's it's definitely possible. It's incredible. I it, wouldn't recommend feeding the bears. No, I don't. For the think, record, I don't think it's. I, well, listen, we we've advocated war. Yeah, and that doesn't include feeding them. Certainly not by hand, but but uh, it seems like the Hank reference is a lot is very gets very close to home here. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. Does that? Well, we're Brilliant. making an impact, folks. We're making an impact. Uh, last story in today's program. You'll love this because it fits perfectly in line with everything you know about progressives in government today. California state health insurance to cover sex changes for illegal immigrants. Mm. Oh, man. According to <laughs> like, this is, this is beyond satire. No, it's like one. a Mad Libs. It's according what? to Fox News. Nearly 700,000 illegal immigrants between 26 and 49 will qualify. The Golden State is expanding its massive health care system this year, which means more taxpayer dollars will fund sex change surgeries for state residents regardless of their citizenship status. So you blow in past Tijuana, you decide to chop the old willy off, and you're going to get it free of charge, courtesy of Gavin Newsom and the state government of California. What I mean, wh wh what an insult. I mean, like, first off, it was crazy that when I saw the headline that starting January 1st, uh, illegal aliens in California will be given free health care, right? Where, like, I mean, we've all heard stories about how long veterans have to wait for health care. In yeah. this country, and and they're they're giving carte blanche. First at the line is going to be illegal immigrants. This is just unbelievable. <laughs> well, hold on, hold on. listen to this memo. According to a memo first circulated in May 2022 and reported on by the Daily Caller Foundation, California's Medi-Cal covers costs for hormone therapy and procedures. Quote: They bring primary and secondary gender characteristics into conformity with the individual's identified gender including ancillary services such as hair removal uh, incident to those services. It's unreal. So like free waxings? Yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. Is yeah. like we're, we're going to deal... <laughs> we're doing waxings. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Is a, is a Brazilian butt lift oh, included yeah, I in bet. this? Well, if you identify as a butt lifter. <laughs> you know? uh, look, at, look at these numbers. It says, uh, these services, which will cost California taxpayers an estimated $3.1 billion dollars oh my God. for those living in california illegally it translates to approximately four thousand fifty eight dollars per year in medical coverage subsidies funded by the state's general fund this is straight up just like cause and effect so when we saw during the democrat primary in 2020 when every one of those candidates was asked on stage hey would you just like give every freebie possible 
to illegal aliens. Every single one of them raise their hands. Well, this is it. You're seeing the result of that. So mm. when they tell you that, like, they mean oh, you know, Uncle Joe and all these Democrats, they're moderates, the real radicals out here, conservatives. You're seeing all of this. They they told you they were going to do this, that, you know, U.S. citizens are now second-class citizens. The people who are going to be given care, like, they're being put up in hotels in New York City, like, very nice hotels in New York City, while there are actual people, American citizens, struggling to get by with inflation the way it is. This it's is disgusting. such an outrage. It's disgusting. Uh, last thing before we kick to the end of this, I know you boys had to have seen the Bass Pro Shop situation I, oh, over yeah. the weekend. <laughs> yeah. Where, did you see this? Thing? No. All right, Smug. So I think, I don't know, if it, was it in the Bass Pro Shop, uh, the place that you were talking? It might have been. Was it in the Pyramid? Uh, no, no. No, it was not, not the Pyramid. In, it, was, it was in Alabama. Oh, it was yeah. in Alabama. All right, so this dude uh, gets completely naked and goes swimming in the in the, in the the fish pond. Like, you know, I mean, the way, if you have never been to a Bass Pro Shop, it, it's an aquarium. Despite this, yeah. I would highly recommend it. Like it's an aquarium. No one reacted. Like to me, that seems like one yeah. of the places you can get away with the least amount of bullshit. Well, there were several observations to make. He was arrested, no question. He's pulled out. But I mean, even like the shoppers, it's it's a good crowd. Of, these are like family God fearing people. Well, they did, pro. They did what God intended, and they filmed him on their iPhone. My <laughs> God. And uh, and this gentleman, uh, I was just slightly overweight. Uh, jumps in and starts swimming around, and then like hangs on the glass. Mm -hmm. It's like wangers on the glass. <laughs> there's fish, Start, there's starts, fish in there starts too. Starts waggling his legs. <laughs> yeah, he starts waggling. His but here's 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 the thing that that uh, given his endowment, I'm actually not sure it qualifies for a decent exposure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is <laughs> brutal. <laughs> And and honestly, the segue from the sex change operation made me think to it. this guy, yeah. poor fellow. That's what made me think of it. Water must have been pretty cold. I was like, I, the first thing was like, water must have been pretty cold. But then I thought like, uh, maybe he had like some kind of a procedure. Or And then I, I also thought, oh, surely like the clips that we're seeing, they've just like blurred hmm. everything. Mm, nope. That's, hmm. It could be like, uh, what was the no. name of the 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 Hollywood Me Too guy. Oh, um, yeah, Weinstein. How, like, in depositions, they're like, it, it looks like boiled meat. tuna. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, it doesn't resemble... Well, oh. one, of, one of the funniest things I saw on Twitter was a guy who said, this is what happens when no SEC team makes the national team. <laughs> 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 oh, my God. Well, it was, it was a terrible sight, but uh, justice is going to be had in the great state of Alabama, as you can be assured. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, fellas, I think we did. I'm very excited about your Nixon uh, thing. I'm very excited about you being in Iowa. We've got a very big show starting at 7.30 Eastern. Right? Monday night. 7.30 Eastern, Monday night, uh, and we're going to be giving it hell for the Iowa caucus. It's going to be amazing. Absolute banger of an episode, if I may say so myself. Gentlemen, thank you so much to our listeners. Again, go to the YouTube, subscribe, turn on the notifications so you don't miss out. So, until next time, Minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Thursday. Stay ruthless. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. 
But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.